Welcome to episode 6 of P++. This is the second episode in our special series where we're interviewing engineers about their journey into programming. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of P++. Today's episode is a special episode because we're talking about work-life balance. We have with us Keith and Allison joining us. And to get started, Allison, can you tell us about your background story and how you came into coding? Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Allison. Uh, I was part of the launch cohort 24, which I think started in January, 2019. So it's a while ago now. Uh, I'm currently a software engineer at HubSpot, uh, which is based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And yeah, hi listeners. <laughs> awesome. And Keith, can you give us a little bit about yourself and your origin story on coding? Sure. My name is Keith Guernsey. I was in Boston 26. I started coding probably three, four years ago. Did a lot of free code camp type things. Wasn't cutting it to actually make the move into the, into the space. And so I ended up at launch. And I currently am a application consultant at TimeTrade as well as the UX UI design for a company called VR Jam that I'm doing on the side that might turn into something in the future. We'll see. Nice. And as usual, I'm your host, Nader Mokhtar. I'm a software developer at Good Measures, a nutrition company here in Boston. And we're excited to get started. Guys, how was post-graduation? How was the transition into a job hunt, getting a job, and, and going to a brand new field for you guys. Mm. Allison, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I, had, I sort of had a unique experience um, coming into, like, the job application process because I transitioned from academics. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, had just finished graduate school in ancient history and then went straight into coding boot camp. Mm -hmm. And the job market for ancient history is, like, is just abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> like there may, I think the year I graduated, there were five jobs available in ancient history, and one of them was literally in Tasmania. Wow. So um I was actually really pleasantly surprised by the job market for software engineering because you know I thought, you know, I, I so I got a couple of job interviews out of the career kickoff, which was very pleasantly surprised by. And you know, I didn't end up getting any of those jobs, but I thought that the experience of interviewing was like very interesting and very, and like very helpful to me. Like I really enjoyed the process. It's like, wow, I'm gonna have this job interview and it's not the end of my career slash life if I fail at it. <laughs> this is a growing experience and will help me to prepare for more job interviews, like which it is very possible for me to get. So in that way, it was like a very nice experience for me. <laughs> and, you know, I ended up, you know, getting my current position at HubSpot um, through a program that they were putting on to basically help women to get into tech. And I really jumped at the opportunity because I, you know, really felt like I wanted more training after launch, which I know sounds like, I feel like current, like maybe people who are just about to finish launch were like, you wanted more. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was kind of the grad student in me. So I, I think like I was not opposed to more training and it was in a different technology, no JS, although I know that that's now the current curriculum. And I think also I just wanted the opportunity to work at a company like HubSpot because 
you know, that was really a, a company that I was targeting, like somewhere I really wanted to work. I liked the culture and I thought the product was really interesting and the backstory behind the company was really cool. So yeah, I had a pretty, I think, typical experience. I mean, this was also pre-pandemic, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but I had a pretty typical experience where I was on the job market for two to three months before I found the opportunity that ultimately led to my current job. And that was when I started off as an intern at HubSpot. So yeah. So Allison, you're saying culture. How did you know about the culture of HubSpot before joining them? Yeah, I did a lot. You know, I, I think like I just did a lot of research, you know, I would, I, I had like a whole system down. I was trying, I reviewed this before coming down where, you know, I would look at, you know, popular companies in Boston. I would go on their way. I would go on their pages. You know, I would go on LinkedIn and see whether I had any connections. I, you know, was not afraid of like the informational interview, which is like something they really pushed for people. I think it was just really popular and like, PhDs who are transitioning outside of academics. And, you know, so I would seek people out and yeah, I would really, I thought that was like a really interesting part of the job. Like the career transition for me was, you know, to have these low pressure interviews where I wasn't act actively seeking jobs at the time. Like I talked to people from HubSpot when I was before launch, <laughs> before launch Academy and during launch, but you know, just to ask people like, what's your life like? Like, what is it like to be a software engineer? And like, what's your schedule like? What do you work on? And that was very helpful for me to, you know, figure out that I wanted to be in tech and wanted to be a software engineer. And yeah, so I was think I, you know, had HubSpot on my radar, you know, like in 2018, but it was very aspirational for me because I knew that they, you know, were kind of, you know, took on more advanced engineers. <laughs> You know, so when I had a chance to really to get in, like in an internship, I really I snatched it up. It's 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 sad to it's sad slash awesome to hear how many teachers have left academia and come into this industry, right? Like teachers should be held at such a high like standard in our society, and they just get beaten down out of that realm. You guys did so much work. I think uh, we had at least five teachers in, our, in, in Boston 26. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So Keith, that brings us to you. Take sure, off. so yeah, my post-launch experience or leading up to post-launch was not typical. Uh, I was not sponsored. Uh, I was not, how does it go, endorsed, right? Mm -hmm. I was not endorsed, so I did not do career kickoff. I just went after the market and, um, I worked fairly hard for three months, I would say, networking, carpet bombing, resumes all over the internet, uh, reaching out to every contact that I might have on LinkedIn, uh, in personal life. I cold called somebody who ran a software company, small software company in Worcester, met him for coffee, had a great conversation. And, you know, I, I did crazy things just to make sure that I was going to get there. Cause I, you know, I, I left a 20 year career in pharmaceuticals. I was an engineer designing processes for, in, for clean rooms. Um, so, you know, I was fully going to make this transition one way, shape or form. I ended up at time trade, which is one of the partners with launch Academy. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird dynamic. So, uh, it was about three months after graduation. We were the cohort right before Thanksgiving of 2018. 
2019, sorry. Um, and one of my cohort mates that I was very close to actually, he got one of the jobs right out of launch and he started a time trade and left two weeks later. So somebody put a message in the jobs board and I was actually skiing at the time. I'm a big skier and I got all sorts of pings. Dan Pickett, who I also went out to lunch with or went and got coffee with after lunch just to kind of talk to him and see what's what's what in the in the in the industry he sent me a message on slack uh, that something was in the jobs board and a few other people and i applied for this job to a alumni who worked the time trade at, at at the mountain while i was skiing and then i think the next monday uh, it, that was on a friday and then on the next monday i was um i was on a call for, with in an interview ended up at the job end of February, was there for about two and a half weeks. And then we went into COVID lockdown, which was kind of, kind of terrible. I, so my training kind of, kind of went by the wayside while everybody handled what as time trade is a scheduling company, while everybody there kind of handled the COVID scenario, because everyone went virtual at the same time. And it was, it was chaotic. And then about Two weeks after that, my mentor left. So I, uh, I had qu quite the hill to climb. Um, yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Oh, and I had a kid about six months later. So <laughs> Trial by a fire. Second, a, sec a second kid. Yeah, trial by fire for sure. And then speaking of glutton of punishment, I took on a second job. So nice. yeah. Cool. Awesome. And... Did, how was that? Like, that's a whirlwind that people, you walked into. Did, did, were you able to find uh, a balance? Were you able to find like, ment like mentorship beyond your mentor leaving and all that stuff? And how, how did you find your footing? Yeah, I mean, I, um, for the first six months there, um, you know, I took, took a couple of days off when I had the child, but I was, um, I was working probably seven to five. I'd take time off to, put the kids to bed or get them off to daycare and then I'd be back online from 7:38 till 10 for a good six to eight months mm -hmm. um, so I had no work-life balance I was just it was just flat out um, eventually I had to rein that in and I got very dialed in on when I was available when I wasn't available because I needed you know I needed to be a father and a husband and the whole nine but I um it was a hustle for sure, because I, I'm not scared to ask for help. Um, and I'm sure some of my, some of my coworkers would back me up on that because I, I would just pepper them with questions until I got, got the information I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that would be my best advice to somebody working in like, you know, a remote job. It's just like, just, especially if you're on Slack, post everything in public Slack channels. Mm -hmm. Like that was mm -hmm. my big secret to success. It's just, you know, just a blanket, just be like, hey, everybody, I have an yep. issue. Like, are oh, you yeah. around? <laughs> and I think that's the best advice. It's just like, don't, don't, don't DM everything. Like make a rule for yourself. Yeah. Never DM anybody. Just like public Slack channels. Be like, hello, I'm here. At here. At <laughs> here, for sure. Broken. <laughs> yeah. I need your help right now. Yep. Yeah, for sure. 
funny enough that here at when I was working at Wayfair it was like very frowned upon that people would send like <laughs> emojis of police and like please don't do that because like a, a group in Wayfair could be 700 people or 800 people and at here oh, well. would be like 700 people like what is here what's the question <sighs> that's, that's no good I definitely use it a lot I'm on a smaller team but of course yeah I'm lucky how about, how about you have hundreds of Slack channels, so you can always do, you can always just pick the right one. <laughs> yep. How about you, Allison? How was um, getting hopping into the programming mm -hmm. life and joining a company at this biggest HubSpot? Were you able to find the work-life balance in your footing there? Yeah, you know, and I think this is actually wanted to, why I wanted to participate in this episode because I took a strategy that I don't hear people talk about a lot and maybe because it's a bad one but I'm going to say it anyway <laughs> which is that you know as so I came from you know academics where I had zero work-life balance mm -hmm. and like to the point where like you know I remember I was looking this up in preparation for this interview but like you know, before, you know, I had to take these qualifying exams where I had a huge reading list in Latin and Greek and I, which was impossible, literally impossible to get through. Like the professor would sit you down and just be like, well, just get through as much as you can. And, you know, four random passages will appear from this reading list on the exam. And, you know, if you don't happen to remember it or to have read it, you know, then your career will be over. <laughs> so it's just- Good Lord. Yeah, that was, so it was very, this high pressure environment. So I had to like read, read as much of these reading lists as I possibly could while also teaching and also taking coursework. And I, you know, and I used to say like the worst feeling in the world is like having all this work and realizing like, I'll never complete it. It will never be done. It's impossible. Like even if I worked 24 hours a day, and so when I was really thinking about switching careers, I said to myself, like, never again. I'm never going to do that again, <laughs> you know? And so when I was thinking about, you know, the practicalities behind, like, getting into software engineering, you know, I said to my, you know, I really had the privilege of, like, I had a partner, a very supportive partner who was willing to, you know, take on more of the bills. And I really decided that I wanted to go for more junior positions and even internships so that I could kind of gently ramp up rather than say pursue, you know, just like software engineer positions and really have to go from like zero to 60 in three seconds. <laughs> and, you know, and I think that that really helped me to maintain my sanity and also to say, you know, just start off at a more junior level, you know, maybe not be making like the money that some of my other cohort mates were making, but also like keep my sanity and not kind of go back to that grad life that I had like purposefully left. <laughs> and that was very helpful. So I was seeking out like more junior positions, more training opportunities. And I really, it was very good fortune that I landed at HubSpot. I was not seeking that though. Like I was expecting to start somewhere smaller, kind of work my way up to these companies that I really, you know, enjoyed where, you know, that kind of touted their work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my strategy going in was just to say, you know, hey, I'm going to go slower and make less money, but then also, you know, to have time for myself and my family. So, but I think, yeah, going into HubSpot was certainly, I mean, I think it was 
worth it. You know, I think like there's always like when you're starting out in these jobs and it's your second career, you know, that first six month to a year period is always going to be the most intense, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know what advice to give people to overcome that. You know, it's just like, do your best, you know, rely on your mentors. You know, I had a really wonderful mentor, Gregory, who was like, he, he also had left academics. Like he also had like left a PhD midway through. And it was so nice to talk with him because I needed to talk to somebody who was on the same journey as me, but 10 years out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where he could be like, yes, this next year is going to be very intense, but you're going to be okay. And it will get easier, you know? And I think it's just, you know, getting like the repetition of tasks, like learning the software that you're doing, like becoming an expert in your own systems. Like, I think once you kind of get familiar with how you're at that code base, you know, is structured it's so much easier. So yeah, I hope that's coherent. Yeah. So Tell me more about like, how does a typical day work for you now that you got your footing there at HubSpot? Like, did you, is there like a routine of like stand up and things to do and tickets and all that? Yeah, yeah. So my routine, you know, generally, you know, I have me, you know, I think I'm very lucky in that my team is very cognizant of meetings, you know, and I think that's like also something that if you're interviewing some at a place, this is something I would actually ask is like, how do you structure meetings? Because, you know, I think if you're, if you're kind of have meetings peppered throughout your day, it's so tough to actually code, mm-hmm. you know, cause you have to have that time to sit down and do it. So I'm very lucky that my team kind of organizes it. So meetings are generally for me, like between 11 to two. And that means that I'll sit, I will start coding at around like eight or nine and then code for until through lunch until noon, have my afternoon meetings and then code through until the evening. And that's, you know, usually like my time, my time is split up during the day mm-hmm. and, you know, and yeah, and then usually, you know, with my work, you know, I've been assigned a few good, you know, some, some meaty projects Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'll be focusing on my main project throughout the day and then say, if I need it reviewed or if I get stuck, then I have like a secondary, usually we'll have a secondary task I'm working on to push that forward. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how much detail I can go into. I think I'm going to err on the side, but you know, I err on the side of question, but yeah, I think that's generally how my day is structured. Got it. Makes sense. How about you, Keith? How is your day structured at time trade? Yeah, so working for a scheduling software company, you have to be pretty on point with uh, what you do with <laughs> what you do with your day, right? So it's funny. I actually noticed today that I inadvertently follow like a Pomodoro clock. So I, I find that like I'm solid for like 45 minutes and then I need 15 minutes. But my day typically, I don't touch work stuff until 8. 8 a.m. after 8, 8.30, uh, I'm okay to, to open up my app and at least look and see what I'm about to sit down to. But we have a stand up at 8.45 every day. So that kind of, it's kind of nice to, uh, it changes your mindset for sure. Like you're, you're at your desk ready to go at 8.45 and then it's just off to the races. With my day, I have to, I have to be con- cognitive of where I need to block time to work on projects um, at any given time I have 
anywhere from five to seven active clients that are all eager to, to get going as fast as possible. They both, they have, they all have different aspects. So it, it's, it's nice in that sense that it's always different, but it's, um, every, every one of my clients has a scheduling link where they can look at my calendar and book time with me. So if you imagine nine clients, there's three to four people on each team. They all have the ability to book me at any moment. So I, I'm, it does, it does get difficult, but I have to block, you know, I block an hour for my lunch. I block blocks of time just to do um, initial setups, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stay plugged in. I, you know, I have the whole Apple ecosystem. I have the watch, iPad, phone. I have two MacBook Pros on my desk. So I'm always plugged in till I go to sleep. I usually don't hear too much, but I want to know what's going on from Monday at 8 a.m. till Friday afternoon, right? I, I need to be on point. I'm one of those crazy people that can't have more than like five active emails in my inbox. Uh, so I stay plugged in until Friday afternoon. And then I have notification scheduled in my calendar to shut off my notifications. So I literally go into my phone and I shut off every notification that would come to any device. Uh, and then it, they don't get turned back on until 8am on Monday. So that's kind of how I manage that. But the nature of the business, I need to stay plugged in constantly. But I, it, that's just me. I don't recommend that for everybody. I know my coworkers don't do the same and I don't, <laughs> I don't blame them. But um, for the first, like, like Allison said, for the first six, six months to a year, it doesn't matter where you go for what job, you, you better bust your hump um, to, to get that knowledge base under you. And it gets easier. It gets exponentially easier as you get on. And how do you feel about like staying plugged in after hours with kids, especially? I hear a lot of people, you know, mentioning that recently. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to answer. That's that's a lot of people don't realize, you know, part of the reason I got into this was to make technology work for people, mm-hmm. right? I see so many people, especially like my parents, you know, they get an email and they're like, I have to, you don't have to do anything. There's nothing, you don't have to, you don't have to answer that person, mm-hmm. especially like, it's not that important. The important things are life and your family and your friends and your own mental health. You don't, you don't have to answer these people. They'll still be there tomorrow to answer, answer their questions or answer it after hours if you really feel like it needs to be answered then. I will say, you know, if my boss texts me, I'm answering him. I'm going mm-hmm. to answer my direct, my direct boss or, or his boss. And then yeah. You don't have to answer people. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, I think that's right. You know, there's some nuance. I, I think it's like, there's some nuance where it's like, if there's, yeah, if there's a crit set and the website's down, like on a Saturday, like you, you probably should get online. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, but that also, but that should be relatively rare. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, so generally, you know, I'm like, wow, if there's a crit set going on, if my boss texts me and it's like, oh my God, I need you to do something. I'm happy to answer those. And I'm very lucky that those are rare occurrences, mm. you know, and then otherwise, yeah, in the evening I'm off. And I think also like, you know, tech company, I, I, you know, where I like where I volunteered and, you know, now I'm working, like, I think we're pretty good at saying, should we deploy at 
like 5 p.m. on a Friday? Probably not. Like this can probably wait until Monday. So I think like you have, there are processes in place at most companies where you're not going to be, you know, doing risky maneuvers before everybody is like set to go home. Or I should say, well, not go home. I just go offline. (laughs) (laughs) Truth, truth. So you you made the conscious decision, Allison, to get that like clear time and clear work life balance when it comes to getting off of work. How how do you achieve that, and how did you push for it when it came with the team and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, I you know I feel like my 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 instinctual answer is like through sheer force of will, but that's so unhelpful. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think it is. You know you know, set, you know, setting clear boundaries with people. I, this is hard, you know, cause I feel like part of that first year of work is that you're learning how quickly you can work, right? And I think that's the most challenging. So I think now when I'm working on a project, I think the most important thing is to give people like realistic timelines, right? So don't promise to deliver something in a week that will, you know, probably take a month to do well. <laughs> you know, and still maintain your sanity, you know? So I would say like, you know, setting realistic timelines for yourself and others, I find has been like very helpful for me, you know, where I'll say to people, Hey, you know, I'm working on this. I'm I'm, I'm aiming for the end of the week, but I'll keep you posted about my progress. And I think like setting those realistic boundaries on like what I'm able to do in like the eight hours a day that I have for work has been you know, allowed me to then be like, at the end of the day, like feel good about what I've accomplished, but like, you know, shut down my computer and like go and be with my husband. So I think that's like one of the things that I've done, you know, and I think also, yeah, I mean, you know, it was so much easier, I know, like going into the office, right? Where like you leave at the end of the day and work is done. You know, I think we really have to be more conscious of it in the remote world where, yeah, you know, you could keep working all night long, especially if the, if it's an interesting problem, if you're having difficulties and you really want to get through it. You know, I think sometimes it's just, you know, having that schedule and saying, hey, I'm going to sit down with my family at like 6.30 every night for dinner. And that's the time at which, you know, I'm going to be done with work, mm-hmm. you know? So, but yeah, but it's tough. You know, I like, I, yeah. I think that's like the toughest part is like what's you know figuring out what works for you and like sticking to it and sticking to that schedule and how was your manager in terms of like doing that like communicating that to him how is that communication portion of it yeah I know I was you know I think I was really I've been very lucky with like my mentors at work Mm because you know they I think they helped me to figure out what was reasonable to get done and you know what and you know and like when I should like what my goals should be in terms of like when I should finish projects for example you know and I think that they always reminded me to you know you know, just take your like take time for yourself like mm-hmm. you don't want to burn it you don't want to burn out in the first six months <laughs> I think there's that delicate balance of like you know work hard get your feet under you but also don't burn out Mm-hmm. You know, and it is very helpful to have a mentor there to be like, you're doing well, don't have to, you know, <laughs> you can, you're going to pull back the reins a little bit, you know, and, you know, I think one of the most helpful conversations I have, like, you know, it's, 
a good question to ask somebody is to say like, what were you doing? Like, what were, like, what were kind of projects were you working on when you were at this point in your career, like where I'm at right now? Mm-hmm. I think that's like really useful conversations to have with colleagues, especially like I wouldn't be, I know it's like nerve wracking, but like it really helped me to reach out to people at HubSpot and be like, hey, like how did you make this transition from say like an associate to a software engineer? Like, what did you work on? Like, what did you find most helpful for yourself? And like how much, and how much time did you devote to this? Was, yeah, that was really good for me when I was going through it. From those conversations, what was your favorite tips that you received? You know, I think, hmm. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I know this is like so obvious, but I think I needed someone to reiterate it to me. So hopefully I can repeat it to somebody else. <laughs> but I think time boxing is really helpful where you say, I'm going to work on this until the end of the day. And then if I have not figured it out, I will like message somebody and, you know, get some help. Because, you know, I don't think anyone is going to fault you. If I had a recent issue come up where, I was just hitting this bug. I couldn't figure it out myself. I sat down with my co- with my coworker, and he also couldn't figure it out. So we were like banging on it together for two hours, and eventually he suggested what I should do, and I was able to figure it out on my own from there. But I felt like you know I didn't make a lot of progress in that. It was about a day and a half. But the thing is, is like you know I was working hard, right? And sometimes that's what happens, right? It's like you get stuck with a bug, you can't figure it out, you know, but you put in the eight hours, stop, take a break, give yourself a breather, recollect, go back with a colleague and figure it out. And it doesn't require, you know, it's, it's hard work, it's interesting work and it doesn't work, but it does not require you to like sacrifice your life. You know? <laughs> so I think like figuring out that rhythm of like time boxing something, asking for help, getting unstuck, getting it done, you know, is a good thing to be thinking about as you go get into work you know that's fantastic advice and i wish somebody gave it to me when i was at wayfair because i was like getting stuck on projects for a couple of weeks and i wasn't getting help and i was like ah it felt really really frustrating and i actually burned out out of wayfair when i was there unfortunately and i moved on to the new career with a new company so this is a, a big 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 thing for everybody that's listening remember to time box ask for help and get unstuck because otherwise you feel very, very unproductive if you, if you don't go by that. How about you, Keith? Like what's the best advice you got since you joined time trade? And I know the dynamic for you is a little bit different because you have deliverables for clients. You're working with clients directly and there's a lot of uh, the timeline for things is different than actually uh, doing on working on regular tickets. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of had to create my own systems. Uh, it was just odd being disconnect. I it was there was a bit of a disconnect where, you know, I was only working with my coworkers virtually, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get to. I I got to talk to them over Zoom or Slack, or or chat with them. But like for the most part, it it's like a constant like drinking from the fire hose. We we call it, and so I had to create my own systems of how to handle different things, how to, how to just pause and step back away from bugs. And, you know, there's always more work to do. So like more often than not, uh, if you just step away 
from any any bug or any any problem you're having in life in general and just you know come back to it tomorrow if you can or or come back to it in a couple hours with fresh with fresh eyes fresh perspective more often than not you did something silly and you and you just need to correct that one thing but in terms of like tips and tricks i i just um like i said i just developed my own systems time boxing for sure and self-recognition of where am I mentally? Am I overdoing it? Do I have, I mean, I, I clearly have a lot going on in my life, but using your vacation time, use it, use that time. That time is there for a reason. Do not leave. I, you know, and I did this in my previous career. I leave nothing on the plate. No vacation time comes over to the next year. There's a reason it's there. And if you can get more, get more. That's something you should ask for when you get an offer letter ask for a few more days because you'll need it even two, three more days, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in this kind of career. Uh, You know, I knew that this was going to be a type of career where you have to be hyper vigilant on what you do with your time. I didn't anticipate ending up working for a scheduling company, but you do need to be very focused on you as a human. You only have so much capacity to, to do this type of work. I know I'm not a full-time coder, heads down coder, but it's similar, right? I mean, I just wanted to be in the software realm in general. Uh, and I knew what I was getting into because I did years of research before I got here. So mm-hmm. um, I, I burnout is a very real thing. And yet you, you, you kind of get keyed into catching it. I mean, it's, it's burnout for a reason because a lot of people just don't recognize they're even doing it they're not they don't realize they're in it until it's you know something bad happens right you miss you miss some gross something that you've done a thousand times um and so i i the thing that doesn't work well is is burning yourself out for sure Mm -hmm. so Switching gears a little bit, like if if you were starting over, for example, Allison, like I know you gave the advice of like interview the interviewing your companies. So if you if you were going back into the job hunting market, knowing what you know today, what what advice would you give yourself in the past? I think I would. Uh, yeah, I think this is advice I would have given myself, and I also like now give regularly to like, especially to people who just like graduated from lunch, and it's that you will find a job. Like I promise, it might not. <laughs> like I feel like everyone has that existential dread where they're like, "Oh my god, it was all for nothing," and I'm never gonna find a job. Oh my god. And I'm always like, I was like, I swear to you in a year from now, you're going to look back on this when you have a job and you're going to be like, wow, that was really silly of me (laughs) because I also felt that way. And I think it's so true. Yeah. It's like, you will. And I think, you know, it isn't, you know, I would say that's what would be the first was just to be to relax. And I think I would also say like, focus in on like networking, I would say would be like my number one my number one piece of advice where it's like, I think, you know, the way you get a job nowadays is not by, you know, just submitting, like submitting the anonymous thing, like serve, like resumes online. It's really by getting out and talking to people and making connections. And to build off of that advice, I would say, you know, I feel like I, you know, especially like I, I talk to a lot of PhDs who are thinking about leaving academics, which can be 
It's very rewarding. It's also very frustrating, <laughs> you know, because I'll suggest people for them to talk to. And they'll be like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, why would I talk to this person? And I would be like, well, you don't have to do exactly what this person does. You're just finding out about what career they're in. <laughs> and that's, I think, also good advice for people looking to get break into tech. You know, just talk to people. You don't necessarily have to want to do exactly what they're doing, but it's helpful to, you know, know what company they work for, know what their routines are like, like ask them, like, is there anybody you think you can, I can talk to? Like, who can you connect me with somebody? I mean, it's, I think it's really important to be open, curious, talk to as many people as you can in different career tracks in tech and yeah, and like make connections that way. So yeah, I would say, that would be my advice to myself. Just talk to more people, be more curious. Keith, how about you? When, if you were gonna give yourself advice when you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> well, from the Launch Academy perspective, I would have dedicated more time. I think I would have I made my family aware how much time that was actually going to take and dedicate, uh, you know, exponentially more time like 10 20 more hours a week i mean i already did 40 plus hours a week during um pre-flight um i mean when you go on campus on campus on campus like my family didn't see me i was coding seven to seven every day or seven seven to like 10 every day right um but dedicating more time you know when i would leave the on-campus i i know that the people that got endorsed and got to go to career kickoff, you know, they put in the time. So I would have told myself to, to stay focused and put in the time there. One, two, um, I kind of did it. So post-launch, it was my full-time job, you know, on campus was three months and it was hard. It was all day, every day coding, heads down coding. And I loved every second of it, even the parts I didn't like. So it, it was um, post-launch for three months was, a full t- was the same amount of work. Heads down, networking, reiterate what Alan, Allison said. You know, I say I carpet bombed the internet with, with resumes. I did that, but I also did just as much networking, networking, networking. And in the end, it was the launch family that got me, got me a job, right? And it was a great fit and it, and it worked out swimmingly. Um, you know, I don't do heads down coding, but that's why I have a side gig, <laughs> right? Nice. And would you say, how, how was the approach like, both you and Allison mentioned like getting meetings with people and how, how were you approaching those getting, getting those meetings, Keith? Um, sometimes I would straight just cold email someone. I would call people. I would, you know, a friend of a friend who works at a place, you know, I would ask for an introduction, you know, so I kind of, I wasn't burning bridges, but I was just, you know, I had no problems with, you know, reaching out to so-and-so from 10 years ago that I've never, that I never talked to after I didn't work with them again and saying, hey, you're friends with this person that works at Wayfair or, you know, at, at, at this local tech company I want to get into. 
and I did the same thing in the launch alumni. I would, I would go, I'd find a job. Actually, I had my resume out there. So I'd have a lot of recruiters that would just pepper me because, and they don't know that I'm not in it, but they just, the algorithm on LinkedIn told them that I would be a good fit. And then I would go behind the scenes and figure out what company they were trying to get me into. And I would find some connection to that local company. And then I would just reach out and, and get some kind of communication going with somebody. Nice. So mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. You have to just constantly hustle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another, another thing that I did that I feel like people, I, I haven't heard many people like suggest is just, you know, I read, you know, read a lot of medium articles, read a lot mm-hmm. of Instagram posts. And I feel like that's a great way, like, Hey, I would be like, hey, I really like this person. I really like what they had to say. And that's a great way to introduce yourself to someone to be like, hey, I like you. Like, I like this blog post you did. Like, can we chat? <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, I was like, but I would say get creative with it. Yeah. I did the same thing. I, I listened religiously before launch and during launch to uh, the syntax podcast and one of the hosts there is, is Scott Talinsky and I I reached out to him on LinkedIn and friend requested him on Twitter or something and you know like I didn't think anything was going to go anywhere and it didn't but I you know I just you, I, I wanted to be in it so I I did the same thing I just reached out to everybody yeah you know I'll add to that like I was also the same boat where I was listening to uh, watching a lot of youtube channels and learning about what tech lingo is kind of thing and i think i feel that also is a little bit helpful in the beginning uh, state when you're job hunting people are like oh how many years of work experience do you have i'm like zero <laughs> and that was just because i was watching a lot of stuff about tech and people are doing for their architecture and i would know like what challenges somebody like wayfair or hubspot were having at the time because they're very public about what they're doing and what they're up to in terms of technology challenges. So that's a cool resource for people to find out, to learn about companies more. Well, thank you both for joining us today. This was awesome. I learned a lot and I think all our audience would uh, have learned a lot too. And is there anything you guys would like to share before we sign off? Well, I really, I can't state how much I love, I really loved being at Launch Academy. I love being an alumni. It was like, it was a very good experience for me. I don't know. I think like, you know, I think like a lot of people who leave academics like face this existential crisis. And they're like, I'm the only person who ever had to change careers and who ever had to leave a career I love. <laughs> and then I love the experience of going to launch was so healing for me where I was like, oh, I'm not special at all. Like everyone here is, is very smart, very successful. <laughs> it's like, and also transitioning careers. So yeah, I just like, I feel like launch has like been such a special community for me. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, you're just graduating then. Yeah. You're going to join, you're joining a great community. Yeah. Uh, I will definitely echo that. Uh, I stay plugged into the launch alumni Slack constantly. Um, so if anybody has any questions for me after this, you can find me there or um, Keith a, at Keith A. Guernsey on Twitter, uh, if you can spell Guernsey. But yeah, I, I uh, the launch community has been outstanding through all of this. And, you know, you second guess yourself sometimes, but I didn't 
you know, I, I went for the ride and it, and it, and it paid off and it was, it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. Nice. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us again. My name is Nader Mokhtar. Goodbye everybody. And hopefully we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of P++. Special thanks to Susan Ma for helping me coordinate this and booking the guests. And if you'd like, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Thank you and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.